by sending him to work for a horse breeder in England somewhere, though it had pleased Kenny, for he'd always been mad about horses and wanted to be a jockey some day. When Marion went into the kitchen, Mrs. Moody was dampening the first lot of clothes they had washed earlier and rolling them up for her servant to iron in the afternoon with the rest. The girl had nothing against the woman, but she could feel her cheeks reddening at the thought of what lay hidden under her skirts. So when her mistress looked up and said solicitously, "'You look flushed, Marion. I hope you're not coming down with something.' She was quick with her reply. "'I'm not feeling very well.' The result was surprisingly gratifying. "'You had better go home,' Mrs. Moody said, "'and don't come in tomorrow unless you feel better.' Presented with a perfect means of escape, Marion had the sense to take advantage of it, and within minutes was walking through the back gate and round onto the drive. It had happened so quickly, she had no time to make plans. But one thing she did know, she couldn't go home. Her stepmother would see she wasn't really ill, and would go on and on at her till she was trapped into saying something she shouldn't. If she owned up to the stealing, she would be hauled back to Oak Cottage to confess. The only thing she could do to avoid that was to go with just what she was wearing, but the five sovereigns, now beginning to weigh on her conscience as well as on her hip, would be enough to pay her fare and buy some new clothes. Squaring her shoulders, she flung her head back, and with her long, copper-coloured hair streaming out behind her, she strode out as if she hadn't a care in the world. And neither she had, she assured herself, for she had burned her boats, and there was no use worrying. As she walked past the cemetery, she remembered some boys at school telling her the spirits of the dead lurked near the gates to catch sinners and criminals. And even though it was only ten to eleven on a bright October morning, Icy shivers ran down her spine, and her heart seemed to be beating inside her mouth. Terrified, she pulled up her skirts and sprinted well past the danger area, until common sense told her she was being daft. Only bairns believed in ghosts. There were no such things in the cemetery or anywhere else. She slowed down a bit, but kept running, because the track branching off to the left, led down to the sawmill where her father worked, and she wanted to get past as quickly as possible. She couldn't chance being seen by any of his workmates or their wives, though there wasn't much risk of that with all the trees in between the cottages and the road. In a valiant effort to bolster her conscience, she started to whistle, her poor dead mother used to say that whistling maidens and crowing hens weren't lucky, but it had never broken her of the habit, stopping only when she neared the first houses in the village proper. She didn't want to draw attention to herself, in case any of her stepmother's cronies saw her. She had often moaned that the whole of Tipperton might as well be a burial ground for all the life there was in it, but today... She was thankful that it was so. Long before she came to the smiddy, she could smell the smoke and feel the heat 
of the almost molten metal, and hear the clang as the smith shaped another horseshoe. She used to watch him on her way home from school, fascinated by his skill, yet shuddering at the thought of the agony the horses must suffer when he shod them. But this time she hurried quietly past. Reaching the crossroads, she dithered over whether to turn left over the river in the hope of being picked up by a carter taking a load of vegetables to Aberdeen. She didn't know when the coach ran, and in any case she could hardly stand about here where everybody would see her, or to turn right and make for the railway station. She would certainly be out of sight there, for it was well out of the village, and she had often played there with the other bairns in the school holidays. The sight of a stranger getting off was a source of endless diversion and speculation for them. It occurred to Marion that a train for Aberdeen came through about half-past eleven.